Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. It's Wednesday, December 13th. Here's the midday news from Lance Lucky. More than 200 firefighters needed hours early this morning to extinguish a blaze at a Bronx deli. It broke out around 3.30 at West 231st Street and Godwin Terrace in Kingsbridge, where the fire raged uh, through neighboring businesses. Assistant Chief Thomas Cureo says fires in commercial buildings can be complicated. There are multiple ceilings in a lot of these uh, stores and occupancies. Multiple ceilings have been put up over time. It takes a lot of time to try to get at at the fire and knock it down. Officials say one person suffered minor smoke inhalation at the scene, but five of the stores next to the deli were severely damaged. The cause of the fire is under investigation. A food influencer whose reviews can make or break a restaurant's fortunes is posting about his time in New York City. WNYC's Catalina Gonella reports on his travels through the five boroughs. Keith Lee has amassed a loyal TikTok following who flock to the restaurants he reviews. It's been called the Keith Lee effect, and it's been having immediate results in the city. At first, fans like Nicole Hagler were questioning Lee's dining choices, like a salmon chopped cheese or pizza from touristy slice shops in Manhattan. I was like confused, like who eats? I never even knew there was a salmon chopped cheese. But then he reached out to a local food TikToker. That's how he ended up reviewing Taste of Heaven in Williamsburg, where Hagler was waiting to order. I just wanted to see what the what the food was about. You know, the Keefley effect. Lee didn't say where he plans to go to next, but if past is precedent, long lines will likely follow. It's 44 right now, right around our high, and lots of sun and breezy conditions this afternoon. This is WNYC. On this week's On the Media, does the rise of X signal the fall of traditional right-wing outlets? You don't have to have this website and a link that people have to click on. You can just say stuff and you can get attention. You know, you don't need to be Breitbart to do that anymore. Also, what does decolonization really mean? On this week's On the Media from WNYC. Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts. On WNYC, I'm Michael Hill. Authorities continue to investigate the collapse of that seven-story building in the Bronx this week. It's still unclear what caused the corner of the structure to suddenly fall, but now some of us may be looking for signs of wear in our own homes. But not every crack in the wall, though, amounts to a catastrophe. Larry Ubell is the CEO and managing partner of Accurate Building Inspectors. It's an inspection firm that serves New York and New Jersey. Ubell joins us now to walk us through what we should do when we have concerns about our building. Larry, what are the most common warning signs of something going wrong that you see in buildings, especially older buildings? Well, first of all, buildings are telegraphed when they're having a problem. It's very unusual Mm -hmm. for a building to all of a sudden collapse or fail. The biggest indicators are cracks and not generally not vertical cracks, but horizontal cracks or sawtooth diagonal cracks and cracks that are constantly changing size or shape. In other words, they're getting larger or or the sides of the cracks do not line up anymore. The other big indicator is windows and doors no longer opening and closing easily or actually being stuck in their positions. If a window used to open and it doesn't anymore, that's a problem. Same thing with doors. So those are the big indicators of movement. 
and so something or you see the facade actually separating from the window frame or from the from the building structure itself that's a big indicator that there is a structural problem and the building is going to fail so Larry, we should not just dismiss this as oh well maybe the building is still settling no. Set, well, settlement is a misnomer. Buildings do not tend to settle. Once they are built, the, the soil gets its maximum compaction. And so if you're having movement, it's actually deflection of different building components. In other words, they're bending. And that's not a good thing. But what I would advise people to do, and you don't want to really call the buildings department or HPD over every little crack, um, not to say that you shouldn't call them when there's an issue, but you can be, we have, we have citizen scientists, we have citizen farmers, well, we can have citizen engineers. And what I mean by that is that if you see a crack, you could put data marks, which are marks that we use to see movement over this crack, which in other words, draw an X and then a cross over the crack, uh, somewhat like an asterisk, and take a picture of it and date it. And if those lines don't line up anymore after, let's say, three months, six months, or a year, that tells you that the, that crack is in movement, and you should call HPD. And that does two things. One, you know something's happening, but now you have a record of where the building has started, almost like a baseline, and HPD could do something with that. Having them come in one day, they're just seeing from that point on. But if you can give them information of what's happened in the past, that is very useful to engineers and architects to make determinations of what's going on in a building. Larry, when we've already called 311, but we still have concerns about what's happening in our home or building, if after all yeah. the reporting and so forth, you see that no action is being taken, what what do you do? Uh, I'm going to say then here's, and this is not a, an easy option, move out. Um, if it's unsafe, if you feel that things are in bad shape, and one of the other indicators you could see is if you look up the wall of the building from the ground and put, and look up the wall and you see that wall is bulging or moving, then it's time to, it's time to leave. But that's not always an option for people, unfortunately, who are in dire situations right. and, and have limited housing. I mean, this limited housing, especially among low income and middle income housing in the city is horrible. And we're not we're not really getting that big a dent into the problem. So uh, it, people just have to keep calling and uh, calling, you know, and also I'm going to say also calling the fire department. Um, mm -hmm. This is under this is under their uh, jurisdiction of saving people. If there is a problem with a building and you feel it's a horrible, it's a it's a an imminent situation of a building in failure, then it's time to call the fire department and let them know what's going on. And, and Larry, so would you? The, yes, pardon me. Yeah, and would on. you expect the fire department to like someone to come and say, "Okay, this building is unsafe," and get the building's well, department in here and may evacuate the building? Well, they would. They have a you know they have a louder bullhorn than, than than you do, and so they would get you know they would probably if you called them they would probably get other people involved, such as the uh, Department of Buildings and HPD, if you feel that situation warrants it. But again, uh, buildings don't fail all of a sudden. This happens over a long period of time, and I think even the situation in the Bronx, this was a situation that was manifesting itself for some period of time. And so uh, I can't really opine or have an opinion on what's going on in that building because I really haven't been on site. But I have seen what 
happens with buildings, and usually the biggest problem of buildings is neglect. Larry, we have just a minute left, but I have to ask you, a lot of us live in older buildings. Are there any special precautions we should take? Just look for cracks that are in movement. That is the biggest thing. Look for cracks that are movement. Look for walls that aren't straight and true anymore or they're going out more. That is really what you need to look for, especially if you just recently painted and all these cracks are popping up. It's That's a, that's an issue, and you should take Larry concern Ubel, about that. Larry CEO Managing Partner of Accurate Building Inspectors. We'll have to leave it there. Larry, thank you. Thank you. Tis the season when New Yorkers cram Christmas trees into their space-challenged apartments. But for many, the cost of the beloved Tenenbaums has become too expensive. WNYC's Ramsey Khalife reports. Christmas tree mongers across the city say the cost to buy a spruce or a fir has grown to ridiculous heights. Like Gregory Walsh. He's the owner of Greg's Trees in Brooklyn, and with his big white beard and red winter hat, he bears a striking resemblance to Santa Claus. Prices have gone through the roof again. Like, we were shocked. But why are trees so expensive? Leading arborists say the problem is more than a decade in the making. The National Christmas Tree Association says a lot of family farmers went out of business during the 2008 financial crisis. Spokesperson Jill Sidebottom says that's created long-term supply problems, causing a current shortage of trees across the U.S. It takes five to ten years to grow a Christmas tree. It takes two to five years to grow a seedling. So you can see why it's taking that long to get the inventory up. Local farmers from the New York Christmas Tree Association say the higher prices are also a result of higher shipping and labor costs associated with recent inflation. Many New Yorkers, like Baba Tunde Akawe, are frustrated by the added expense this holiday season. We are definitely going to factor in price. Working class people should be able to afford to, to celebrate the holidays with dignity. The hope now is that the supply will rebound in a few years, as growers begin planting more trees in New York and across the country. Remzi Khalife. WNYC News. Thanks for listening. This is NYC Now from WNYC. Catch us every weekday, three times a day, for your top news headlines and occasional deep dives. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. More soon. I'm David Remnick, and each week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, my colleagues and I unpack what's happening in a very complicated world. You'll hear from the New Yorker's award-winning reporters and thinkers, Jelani Cobb on race and justice, Jill Lepore on American history, Vincent Cunningham and Gia Tolentino on culture, Bill McKibben on climate change, and many more. To get the context behind events in the news, listen to the New Yorker Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts.